All right, guys, we have a special interview tonight. My gosh, um, I'm really, really excited about Tribeca because BTB Below the Belt Show has been approved to cover the Tribeca Film Festival. And not only that, we're actually talking with one of the filmmakers right now, the one and only Sav Rogers of Chasing Chasing Amy. Hey, Sav. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Al. I really appreciate your time and, and taking the time to chat about Chasing Chasing Amy. Absolutely. We would love to talk about that. And of course, um, you know, I, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. So uh, as soon as I saw uh, Cicely's uh, email about your film, I was like, we got to get Sav on. Um, and I watched the documentary and I really, really enjoyed it. It uh, definitely tucks at the heartstrings um, for me, um, being the comic book kid, comic book geek, um, you know, bullied in high school and, and, and watching Kevin, um, you know, succeed as a filmmaker and now comic books and the comic book genre is so cool now um your story is, is different and uh i'd love to talk about that because you credit this film for actually saving your life yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the thing though is like you know we don't share all of our life experiences but you know we both had things that made us feel better and made us feel seen uh about kevin's work specifically but it could be any work really you know there's always movies or comic books or podcasts or radio shows there's always these things that influence our life in these really great ways and for me chasing amy was that thing uh when i was having a really uh terrible time in school quite frankly um you know other people had kind of clocked that i was queer before i knew um, and, uh, it was very vulnerable and, and sometimes, uh, oftentimes deeply and a deeply unfriendly environment to be in. And so I had this movie that Kevin made that just, uh, made my life better at that time. And through that, you know, a, a, a possibility for a, a life ahead was presented to me in a way that I didn't know was possible. And that path forward was, was movies for me. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm really grateful to be here and to be able to talk about it and to be able to talk about, you know, um, just storytelling and, and what that does for us. Yes. And I, I saw the documentary. It's tremendous, but I was curious what particular parts of the movie resonated with you the most, uh, in Kevin's film. Was it, the Alyssa Jones character herself? Was it any particular moments in the film or reveals? Yeah, I mean, uh, many things like uh, in life and in Chasing Amy and in Chasing Chasing Amy are complicated. So it's a it's a complicated answer. It's a nuanced answer. You know, uh, I identified with with Holden in a lot of ways, you know, that very sincere romanticism, um, you know, uh, obviously common interests with comic books and things of that nature. Um, but then I also identified with Alyssa as like an aspirational type of character of, well, she's here, she's queer, and she doesn't give a fuck what you have to say about it. Um, you know, she was very confidently herself, and that was aspirational to a deeply insecure 12-year-old who didn't really know where he fit into the world. Um, and, uh, you know, it also presented a possibility in the way that I could talk about my sexual orientation and this, you know, this idea of pansexuality, you know, without, um, Alyssa ever saying bisexual, pansexual, mm -hmm. um, it was how I felt, um, and how I still feel. Right. Um, and you know, it's all about that one specific person. And so I thought it was an incredibly, uh, bold character to put into a movie period, let alone for 1997 in a, in an era of very bold <laughs> movies from, uh, all these incredible points of view from these directors, writers, actors, et cetera. 
Um, and so those were the things that I really uh, was struck by at the time. And my relationship with the movie continued to evolve uh, over a period of years. Yeah, I was curious how you thought that the film aged, though, because um, there are some derogatory terms for gay and lesbian people thrown very liberally. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, Alyssa, you know, like you said, is, is very unsure about her whether she's a lesbian or not and ends up dating Holden. And I guess some people had criticisms or if, you know, is she a true lesbian because she fell for Holden and then fell out of love? You know, I was curious your thoughts on those those points. You know, I think we can look at movies of the past and we can see what progress has been made since then. And I think there's mm -hmm. always something to learn uh, from any movie, no matter what period of time it's in. Maybe you like the way the camera moves. Maybe you like the, the you know, how this uh, actor embodies this character. Maybe you like this directorial choice. Maybe you love the writing of something. I think kind of regardless of a period of time in which a movie's made in, we can learn from it, um, you know, as people, as storytellers, whatever your thing is. Um, there's always something that we can take away from any movie. So um, I don't love to, you know, look at movies of the past and apply today's standards to them because, well, they're right. never going to meet those. So what can they do? Well, they can teach us something. They can mm -hmm. uh, allow us to move forward and teach us what to do and what not to do. You know, you might not make Chasing Amy the way uh, you made it in 19 or the way that Kevin made it in 1997 today. Um, there are mm -hmm. culture has evolved. The zeitgeist has changed. But right. the that it was made in it was considered prescient right and so um i think that's what's exciting about revisiting old movies is what you can learn from them but yeah. also inform current attitudes and be a benchmark of well this is how a straight filmmaker who was sympathetic to lgbtq people made a movie mm -hmm. about a straight guy who was sympathetic to lgbtq people felt at that time right right and now that movie would be made totally differently today. And the way that queer filmmakers um, make movies is totally different in a lot of ways than the new queer cinema movement that was happening concurrently at the same time as like Chasing Amy. So I just think that there's so much that we can we can learn from that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's really exciting is like a movie like that gave me kind of like a, without intending to, gave me a, a, a path forward and, and possibilities for me to come out and to be able to, make movies from my perspective which are very different than the movies that kevin makes yeah and would you feel that if it was released again today that any edits should be made to any particular words or phrases that might be offensive or do you think it, it it's fine as it is it's a representative of, of its time in the 90s and it should be left alone you know i don't go back and and think about you know well kevin should have done this kevin should have done that you know this is very current and of its time. And I don't think that we would use nearly as many homophobic slurs in uh, in a specific, in a, in a broad rom-com today or an independent rom-com today. Um, but also like, you know, there are queer people who use those words and, you know, they take back their power. So I'm not mm -hmm. here to really police what, you know, I think anybody should or should not be doing. I think an audience will definitely let you know how they feel. Um, regardless of of what a filmmaker does, right? Right. Well, yeah. So let's talk about the documentary. Uh, I was curious uh, how how the process was in getting uh, Kevin on board, to uh, getting Joy uh, Lauren Adams on board uh, uh, for interviews. Um, the challenges that that you know that 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 you had with that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I started the process of making Chasing Chasing Amy not knowing a single person who was involved in Chasing Amy. You know, I was a I was a kid from Kansas that had no mm -hmm. 
broad connections to LA or New York, really. You right. know, I was fresh out of film school, really. Um, for me, I just wanted to be able to to tell my story in a in a specific way, um, and to be able to get my story out there that was going to be more powerful than just um, a, a, an obligatory email that they may or may not respond to, right? Um, and I kind of happened upon that through an opportunity with the TED Residency Program, and so the TED Residency was an idea incubator that TED held that allowed for uh, prospective speakers to be able to do a research project uh, while and work on it at TEDHQ and to be able to give a TED talk um, at the end of the research period. And for me, that project was Chasing chasing Amy. Um, you know, I had the idea that I wanted to start pursuing it, but I wasn't really sure how to get traction. And this opportunity kind of fell in my lap when I applied to the, <laughs> to the program the day of the deadline without a real idea of what I wanted to give a TED talk about. Um, but they picked me as a finalist because they liked my director's reel and I had, you know, made a couple of short films and they were like, I think you have an interesting point of view, which I was immensely grateful for, for Cindy Stivers and, uh, Katrina Conan and reel, just like taking a chance on me and, uh, effectively, um, in the interview process, they said, if you had to give a Ted talk tomorrow, what would it be about? And mm -hmm. I told basically what I said in the Ted talk, which was this movie saved my life as a 12 year old kid. And I think that there's something there about way that stories matter to us and, and how it's life-saving. Um, they said that's the most narrow and specific idea for a TED Talk they'd ever heard. Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, a couple months later, I moved to New York and I, I did the program. I started pre-production on Chasing Chasing Amy. I started getting ready to do interviews and, and things of that nature. And I gave the TED Talk. And within an hour of the TED Talk being online a few months after that, uh, Kevin had seen it uh, within an hour of it being online because enough people had sent it to him. Um, and Kevin reached out to me. Like that was, that was how that happened. He said, Hey, like touched by your story. I know some people who were in chasing Amy, if you need to connect. And so that's how we got Kevin on board. And for, uh, for Joey, you know, a friend, uh, who runs the Tallgrass Film Festival, Melanie Addington, uh, just knew Joey from her work in Oxford, Mississippi and said, Hey, I'm happy to give you an introduction. And this is before the Ted talk had come out and Joey was mm -hmm. lovely and, uh, granted me her time, uh, even before the Ted talk had come out. So I'm super grateful to both of them for, their participation because they absolutely did not have to be in this, um, but they chose to, and they gave amazing interviews and um, forever better for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was amazing to get them involved. H have you tried to reach out to Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, or even uh, Dwight Yule? Uh, so Jason Lee is in the movie, thankfully. Um, and then uh, uh, Dwight Yule no longer is, uh, is called Dwight Yule. Um, he changed his name to Mustafa. Um, and I have been in touch with Mustafa. He very kindly, uh, declined to participate, but has been extremely supportive um, privately, which has been very lovely. Um, and then Ben Affleck, you know, it's uh, I'd love to hear from Mr. Affleck. His, yes. my love of his movies, my love of his movies made me want to, you know, uh, get into Chasing Amy in the first place. So I would always be happy to hear from him. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and I yeah, I noticed uh, with Mustafa, is that Dwight's uh, new name? That he yeah. hasn't uh, been in a film since 2011. So I don't know if you've, uh, he's retired from the industry or not. Do you know? Well, I haven't had a conversation with Mustafa about where he's at in his acting career. I think you'd have to ask him, but it, he's an amazing <laughs> actor. Um, yeah, you know, he was an uh, he, He's an amazing actor, you know, loved him in, you know, Hal Hartley movies, loved him in his yeah. uh, appearance in Party Girl, um, loved him in Kevin's movies. So I would be so happy to see him in a movie again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they say a lot of documentaries take years and years. Um, what's the timeline for yours? How, how many 
years or if it was less than years um, from pre-production all the way to completion. I was going to say, it depends on when you consider this movie having started. You could technically say it started the first time I watched Chasing Amy. Um, but uh, the, when I came up with the idea was apparently in 2015. When I got serious about it was at the Telluride Film Festival in 2017 when I was thinking about how do I how do I make a movie that can mm -hmm. get a market festival? How do I get to that level? You know, what what is the story that only I could tell? Um, and from there, you know, I started like planning and just thinking about, okay, well, what would it take to, to make a movie like this come together? Um, I consider day one to be September 1st, 2018, when I moved to New York for the TED residency. Um, so all in all, from about four and a half years from yeah. day one saying, we are starting on this, this is happening to, uh, you know, going to Tribeca. Um, and, you know, a lot of life had to happen in between those dates. <laughs> yeah, we see a lot of moments in your life. Um, and, uh, you know, decision to come out as a trans man to, to proposing to your, to your then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and, uh, uh, how, how was that? Uh, how, how did you like having your own personal experiences, uh, in, uh, integrated into the film as well? I cannot tell you how much I disliked it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't part of the plan. The plan was to make a pretty straightforward documentary about the LGBTQ community's relationship right. chasing Amy. And then because I had smart people around me to, to help guide me and to help keep, you know, the vision, you know, the best version of it, um, they were like, hey, you should consider putting yourself in here just a little bit. You know, the comp at the time <laughs> was the comp at the time was um uh, Bing Lu in Minding the Gap, which I thought was such a beautifully done documentary about masculinity mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what what growing up means, what coming of age means. And I and I absolutely loved that movie. And then I ended up being the main character in it because I kept listening to the smart people around me. And so, yes. you know, it was really vulnerable to be in that to be in that position because, you know, I'm thinking with my filmmaker brain and then I'm thinking with, uh, you know, me as a human being who is on camera. Right. And I'm thinking about okay, well, what's the most compelling story? And also, how can I honor my sanity here? Because this isn't what I set out to do. This isn't mm -hmm. the most fun thing for me to watch cuts of myself and, right. you know, to see, you know, myself pre-transition. That's very vulnerable. And it's a part of myself yeah. that I did not wish to be preserved for that long. And so that was the, that was a struggle, to be honest. But I'm really thankful for, you know, the amazing people around me on this movie, you know, Sharika, our editor, Lauren, our AE, all of the producers. I mean, so many people kept me sane as I was reluctant to watch cuts and how difficult it was to, to kind of overcome that hurdle mentally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly open, open your heart uh, <laughs> in this documentary itself. And uh, wow. So how did, when it got accepted into Tribeca, how did you feel? Oh my gosh, it was the best feeling in the world. I mean, you know, I was I was anxious. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I put all my guts out there. I I hope yeah. somebody likes it and and wants to wants to premiere it. And you know, within two weeks of us submitting, they had reached out and they said, "Do you want a world premiere with us?" And we were like, "Yes, please." Like it, yeah. it was such an incredible honor. You know, the fact that they reached out so early in their programming process. Um, and just the kindness that they have showed us continuously throughout preparing for the festival. Um, I, I could not feel more supported um, than by this Tribeca team. And I, and I couldn't be happier that we're taking it back to New York where day one of this movie uh, occurred. I love it. Taking it back to the, the premiere 
uh, <laughs> film festival, not only film, but television, music, and all these yeah. other elements, which I, I personally love, the Tribeca Film Festival. And you guys are premiering on uh, June 8th, right? Yes. On Thursday, yep. yeah. And uh, Kevin, Kevin's coming to town, right? Uh, to be yeah. determined. I'm yeah. hoping so. We'll see what happens. But, you know, uh, regardless of if he can make it, it's going to be a really fun night. And, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be four and a half years in the making. And we're just going to celebrate with all of the great people who made the movie. And uh, I can't wait. That is amazing. Now, after Tribeca, where do audiences where, where do you want audience to see your film? Do you want it on a streaming platform? Do you want it to um, remain in the, in the cinema? Where would you like people to see it? I'd love people to see the movie however they can, um, whether it's at your local film festival or watching through a virtual platform at one of these festivals, including Tribeca and or Frameline. Um, I, you know, I'm hoping that we find the right distributor that's the right fit for us, which just means making sure that this movie can get it in the hands of as many people as possible and allow this movie to have a long, full life um, to connect with as many audiences as we can. I love it. I love it. What's your second favorite Kevin Smith movie? Oh gosh, uh, I think Dogma. I mean, gosh, yes. I love Dogma. It's it's such a good movie. It's such a smart script. Um, I watched it with with my wife Riley, who you know grew up mm. Catholic. She was like, "Oh my God, this is great!" And I'm like, "I know this is the shit that I watched on repeat <laughs> as a kid." Um, and so I I I think it's such a a smart play on Catholicism and assuming that mm. all of the rules of Catholicism are true and 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 what happens within a, a world that has that set of rules. I loved it. I thought it was a brilliant film. That's that one film that that can't get uh, on streaming yet, right? Is that still the case? Uh, yes, I believe the Weinstein's own the actual movie. However, yeah. you can watch it on YouTube for free, so go for oh, it. <laughs> that's a good tip, of course. Yeah. Now you yeah. you you speaking of um Mr. Weinstein, you did you did uh, for uh, more so Kevin uh, mentioned it. How did you feel when Kevin went on, uh, um, you know, talked about Harvey for the film? I was responsible for Kevin to talk about Harvey. You know, yeah. I think I had, I think I had brought it up in the interview. I think, you know, um, just basically saying like, hey, you took the movie to Miramax. And, you know, Kevin gave his perspective on, you know, mm -hmm. his period of uh, his life in that period of time. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a shame that so many great movies are kind of marred by Harvey Weinstein's uh, participation in them um, because he caused some real hurt and some real damage. And um, Absolutely. You know, I just hope that anybody that worked with him during that period of time is okay now. Um, that's all you can really hope for, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, now that you have this friendship, I guess, with Kevin Smith, uh, have you uh, pitched yourself in an upcoming film? <laughs> uh, I can safely say I'm so not interested in being in front of the camera. But okay. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to work with Kevin or you know any of the people in this movie um, anytime again in the future. They were all wonderful to work with. Yeah, absolutely. As a big Kevin Smith fan, um, yeah, Chasing Amy ranks up there. I love Mall Rats. Oh my gosh, Cl Clerks Three. I loved it all, man. It's tears. I so yeah. la so I think it was last year. Um, I was in town in L.A. and I was mm -hmm. like, Kevin, let me see your movie. And he said, Great. He gave me his laptop. I sat in a, in one of the rooms in his house and just sobbing watching this movie. I brought him back his laptop and I said, you're a real son of a bitch. You know that um, for uh, what happens in Clerks 3. And, you're one uh, of the first people to see it? I don't know if I'm one of the first people to see it. I saw it before it came out. Yeah. Um, that that was cool. Just like Watch James Island, I got to see that. I got to see that early too, that we, we show in the movie. 
Um, nice. But, you know, uh, perks of knowing the director, I guess. <laughs> that is wonderful. And uh, stopping by his palatial estate in Los Angeles, too, right? Yeah, it's a nice house. It's a nice house. <laughs> Very cool. I, I love seeing all that. Wow. Sav, this is great. Well, this is great. Um, Tribeca Festival uh, is the place to go. TribecaFestival.com. Um, search for Chasing Chasing Amy uh, for those in the New York area. Uh, if tickets are still available, go <laughs> go buy your tickets for uh, three screenings of the premiere. And you have two more screenings after that, right? Yes, I know our right now. So it fluctuates. Sometimes they release more rush tickets depending on demand. So yes. um, our first two screenings are at rush status, which I believe means you have to stand in line to try to get into the theater. Um, but a bunch of the general admission tickets have been sold. And then right now, as of this interview, there are 20 tickets left for our last screening on the 15th before it hits, hits rush status. So love to see you there. Um, very excited Absolutely. to connect with audiences and, and have some fun. Absolutely, Sad. This is awesome. And uh, before we let you go, if you could, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for Chasing Chasing Amy. Let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. All right. Hey, my name is Sav Rogers. I'm the director of Chasing Chasing Amy, and I'm here on Below the Belt Show. Yes, you got got a a Kevin Smith catchphrase or a Chasing Amy catchphrase throughout? Oh, no. Uh, No need for a catchphrase from this guy. I just want to stand behind the camera and make some movies <laughs> <laughs> nice nice all right let's do a snapshot really quick on one two and smile <laughs> there you go we did it all right great that was fantastic Saf, thank you so much thank you al i appreciate awesome. your time thank you for your thoughtful questions and uh, i hope this was as good for you as it was for me it man. was it was fantastic thank you so much all right you have a great rest of your day i'll right. hope to see you at Tribeca. yes Bye.